0: Hello, I'm Nick, and this is the Niche Aviation podcast. Today, I speak to David Hunkin at Centric. Centric provide world-class operational management software. Centric software is used by airlines, airports, and maintenance businesses across the world, including as far as Antarctica. I really enjoyed learning about David and how Centric software is modernizing aviation. I hope you enjoy the podcast, and please let me know if you have any comments. All my details are in the show notes below. Hi, David. It's really great to have you on. Um, Thanks again for joining me. Sure. Before we start, actually, I just wanted to give some introduction of why I've asked you to come on the show um, and also give some insight about yourself. So you are the head of Unmanned Aircraft Systems at Centric, and... We'll get into more details of what Centric do and why I find Centric a really interesting business later on the podcast. But actually, it's before that what I also find incredibly interesting. You were, you were the operations director at Sky Futures, one of the first businesses to start using drones in the UK, inspecting oil fields and oil wells. And that's, I found that incredibly interesting. So I look forward to drilling into that. And finally, you actually, you were a Royal Navy commander for many years. For your work in 2008, you received an OBE. You led a a team in clearing mines in the Persian Gulf.
1: Yeah, and that was quite interesting, I suppose, relevant to this discussion because that was the first time the Royal Navy had used unmanned underwater systems and unmanned aerial systems at the same time in the same, you know, as we call it, battle space. Um, So we had drones underwater searching for mines and we had drones in the air. Um, keeping an eye out for the bad guys.
0: Can you give us context behind the Persian Gulf and yeah. what was the Yeah, so there?
1: basically, um, the, turn the clock back to 2008, um, the Persian Gulf had been subject to about 17 years worth of conflict, the Iran Iraq conflict, and obviously the invasions various of, of, of the West. And in most of those conflicts, mines had been laid in the Persian Gulf to, to interdict shipping. After each of the wars or conflicts, there'd been some mine clearance, um, but uh, not all of it was completed. And some of the more difficult areas have been left either they're either too shallow, um, or or in very difficult areas to access. Um, and so in 2008, um, we led an operation with the Iraqis, Kuwaitis, uh, Americans, and the Royal Navy to clear those minefields, and we had to use some really innovative new technology because some of these areas are very very shallow, very close inshore. Um, etc and that's where we ended up using these uh, autonomous underwater systems which which are amazing um but also because we were right under the iraqi coast and so therefore within the range of militia um small arms uh, and what have you we had um drones above us um giving us uh, surveillance so we knew if there were any bad guys on the coast uh, that would threaten the threaten the force so it was the first time that we'd had Drones in the air, drones under the water, all at the same time, all beaming into my ops room. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a really interesting, really interesting operation.
0: That's incredible. How long did the operation last then?
1: Um, about three months. Um, it took about, um, about, yeah, about three to six months to plan, and then three months to uh, to, to execute. And and the outcome of it was um, these areas that were former mine, uh, former, uh, uh, sorry, these were mine danger areas. Um we, we were then able to declassify them as former mined areas. so so that that helped insurance premiums for the ships that were going through those areas. So that was really the 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 reason it was done was because um the shipping in the area was just getting hammered by by high insurance premiums. um so um so yeah, and
0: how does clearing mines work?
1: Um, so basically we're using these autonomous underwater systems that they, they have sonar, uh, which is like a bit like shining a torch through the water to look for mines. And as we're finding uh, mines and or or contacts, shall we say, we' then either put down another remotely operated vehicle with a camera to go and have a look at it, or more often because the waters we were working were so murky and so thick, we'd actually put a diver down. Um, who'd go down and identify it, you know, by by touch, um, because there was zero visibility um, to the diver, would go down and identify it. And if we thought it was ordnance, i.e. some sort of mine, uh, we would lay some explosives and and, and blow it up. Um, but the autonomous systems were amazing. They, they would just go off and do a search for a number of hours, completely independent of us. Um, so it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was a groundbreaking operation. Uh, and the Navy is has done a lot since then in, in autonomous systems as well, both you know uh, above and below the water. That's
0: that's fascinating. And so that leads nicely because when you decided to leave the Navy, actually, you carried on working in drones or unmanned aircraft. Can you tell me a bit more about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, so as you said, I, I was uh, lucky enough to, to, to join Sky Futures as their operations director, who are a really interesting company. Um, One of the first um, in the world actually to use drones to inspect um, oil and gas infrastructure Um, and and a fascinating business model in that your oil rig um, obviously is constantly corroding, constantly under threat from the elements. And traditionally you'd have a, a, a rope access team. So this is a guy descending on a rope to go and have a look and inspect and look at joints and rust and corrosion. What Sky Futures uh, it discovered was actually, if you had some skilled pilots and the right equipment, you could fly a drone to to basically do the same thing. Where this was hugely beneficial was on the flare tower, which is that big arm that sticks out from a from an, uh, an oil platform. And, and burns off the excess gas now if you have to you you do have to inspect that on a periodic basis um and to do that normally with rope access team you have to shut down the flare and let it cool down they rig their ropes they go do their climbing they unrig the ropes and they flash the flare back up now on a decent sized oil platform that can be costing a million dollars a day to shut that off and what sky futures found was that actually we could still fly um, even with that flare lit and and actually it led to a, a another important discovery that we for the first time we could give the oil and gas industry a report on how the flare was performing because we could actually sort of stand off from a safe range but use our cameras to zoom in and see how it was actually burning and what have you now we worked with rope access teams so that that helped focus where the rope access guys would have to go and do some non-destructive testing but by using the drone, um, we really cut down the amount of time that those uh, platforms were shut down for. And so she was saving them an, an awful lot of money.
0: So how did you first learn about the, the drone technology and using it in the oil fields? Was it trial and error or how, how does that go?
1: By? Yeah, I mean, we had some very experienced pilots. Uh, all, all of our original pilots were, were former British Army. So these guys were, were skilled pilots anyway. And the technology that we were using. Um, we're very, they were very stable and had, had really f- fantastic cameras, so that enabled us to stand off at a safe range, but still get the detail if we were zooming in on the flare or if we were zooming in on a nut, a bolt, a weld or, or, or something like that. Um, it did take uh, a lot of skill um, by the pilots, um, so we, we put them through a huge uh, and pretty intensive training course. Can you imagine if you're standing on top of an oil platform and you're flying a drone manually below you? Um, against a sea that might be rising and falling by you know five to ten meters it's 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 probably about as challenging as it gets for for a drone pilot um but um but but you know a fabulous step forward in in safety and also what we could uh, offer the oil and gas industry
0: yeah and this was in back in 2015 so in terms of pioneering drone technology in commercial space that's that's pretty early on right
1: there were very few companies at that time um doing that sort of that sort of work um and that's partly because it actually was the barriers to entry were so high in order to get the permissions to get the approvals to have the skills to have the equipment to fly offshore against a, an oil platform it's not a it's not it's not a place for the novice uh, either company or or um Uh, or pilot Um, and
0: how do you go even about persuading an oil company to
1: to fly this drone really really difficult um really difficult because it's at that stage it's so untried so untested and um it's uh you know extremely safety conscious uh sector and they want proof and they want evidence and at that stage to be frank there wasn't a great deal of proof and there wasn't a great deal of evidence um, so we work really, really hard on proving our competence, on proving our safety, on proving the reliability of the aircraft um, to get those initial permissions. And, and now it's much more seen as a, as a, as a more routine and standard technique. Obviously, still difficult and demanding, but the industry now recognises drones for, for what they can bring. But if you turn the clock back five, six, seven years, um, yeah, we were talking to the oil and gas majors for the first time, saying, "Hey, I think we can do this with uh, with drones." um fortunately like i said we had a really good setup we had some really good management some fantastic pilots um which which enabled us to get into that market
0: and that leads us nicely in terms of when you joined centric i know you did a few Mm. things after that but but the skills you learned so maybe you can talk a bit more about centric
1: yeah absolutely yeah the the It was interesting flying as we were in oil and gas, where safety, risk management, training management had to be top notch. So obviously an oil and gas major understands what good looks like when it comes to safety and particularly aviation safety. And I had a a very capable operations manager who was spending an awful lot of his time basically administering the operation. So training records, um, doing audits, compliance, safety reporting, risk assessments. And he, he was spending all day doing that. Um, I was aware of Centric because I knew the owner of the business uh, uh, personally and we just basically got talking and I said you know what if I had a system like Centric for what we were doing in oil and gas um, it would just save us so much time um, and it's come from manned aviation so it's it's a you know it's, it's a really credible product if I can pitch up to BP and say hey I'm running my drone industry to the same level as an airline um, you know we're, we're going to have a really constructive conversation so um, that's really how it started. I joined the uh, I joined Centric initially as a as a consultant, as we basically took a system that does run an airline uh, and to deconstruct it for the unique uh, sort of demands of a, of a drone business. Um, and thankfully, that that went quite well, and they took me on full time. And I've been there now nearly five years, so it's, it's been quite a
0: ride. Brilliant. If someone's listening and I haven't heard of centric can you put really simply what centric is and what they do
1: yeah so centric is a is a, is a, is a software platform uh, from uh commercial and private aviation where we help uh our clients operate in terms of it's a, it's a fully integrated operational management system so safety management risk management training management equipment management documents the thing about aviation is the the regulator needs to see evidence, needs to see proof that you are operating at the, at the highest of levels. Um, Centric helps our helps our operators do that. And, and so our clients in that sector are airlines, airports, regulators, their training organisations around the world. Um, and it's a really neat system. It saves our clients a huge amount of time. And so I basically took that Platform trimmed it down a little to bring it into the UAS world, which we did. I guess you know, sort of four and a half years ago now, um, to help those that are operating in in quite specific markets sort of operate to a high standard, prove their levels of safety and compliance either to a regulator or to or to their clients. So, for example, I, I've got clients who fly. I've got a lot of government clients. I've got clients who fly in the oil and gas industry. They fly for utility companies, and they are having to demonstrate their expertise and professionalism to their clients in order to win business or make, or retain business and that's really what we what we
0: do to help brilliant so before centric existed it was just manual paperwork and and, oh, and staff. well
1: you say before me right now you know right now i'm talking to clients or, or you know new new prospects every day um about what they're currently doing and and, and most are still using spreadsheets and excel and, and email um which to be frank is, is is legacy technology it's inefficient legacy technology and actually doesn't really save us any time at all. It creates work as we shuffle through 300 emails a day. Um, I'll give you an example. I was talking to a a police client of mine uh, last Monday, the previous Sunday. He had spent 10 hours um, generating reports for his leadership on how many hours they'd flown, uh, what type of operations they'd flown day, night, and all the rest of it. Um, We went through Centric and I said, okay, what report do you want to run? I think it took us about 25 seconds to run the report that he had spent 10 hours the previous day doing, um, and, and it blew him away.
0: Yeah, and this is what I find amazing, because I think from an aviation perspective, the regulations are really important, because like you said, safety and quality is the most important thing, and I've and spoken to a number of people, from the manufacturers, the airlines, all always focus on safety and quality. And the the old way I, I can remember walking into an airline with two or three aircraft they owned at the time and just the the maintenance logs was two massive buildings just full of paperwork and parts and related to these aircraft. And actually one of the key things that we're getting to now is you're actually able to digitize all of this. Yeah.
1: We we work really hard with our with our clients to configure Centric to their operation. Every, uh, every operation is different. You know, we've got, what have we got? Over 50,000 users of the system worldwide, um, over you know nearly 300 clients. And uh, I guarantee every centric system they're using is different, it's still fundamentally centric, but every business has got a slightly different way of uh, meeting the requirements of the regulator. And actually, one thing I've learned is uh, also it only takes a change in safety manager for it all to change again, as he wants to do things <laughs> differently. So so you do have to be incredibly flexible. Your, your software has got to be incredibly flexible to be able to cope with almost any number of uh, business constructs, because although they might all be... Uh, under the same EASA, I care whatever it is, regulation, my goodness me, there are so many different flavors of how you can meet those requirements. Um, it, it means that, you know, Centric is not the sort of system you go online and say, I'll buy three licenses. We spend a lot of time with our clients going, okay, here's Centric. I can get that for you really, really quickly. Now let's configure it to your operation. So it reflects your operation and your operations manual. So it's quite, it's a very, con- what I would call a consultative sell. Um, we we work in the first few months with our clients um, on a weekly basis to configure centric to their to their business and their operating model.
0: Do you have a number of interesting clients that is anyone in particular that you can and talk to and how you help? Yeah, them? we've got a huge
1: yeah we've got a huge range um, and that's what makes the UAS world really really interesting. So um, on the right hand side you know I've got um, Airbus high altitude pseudo satellite that flies a drone. It's basically a flying um, uh, solar panel flies at 60,000 feet for two and a half weeks wow. you know an unbelievable piece of equipment cutting edge equipment uh, we've been working with them for, a, for for a number of years what is what is that doing it's got a it's got a military purpose uh, but also it's got a peacetime purpose so you could uh, use it for um, uh, remote or establishment of internet in remote areas you can put this thing up and it'll loiter at 60,000 feet so it charges during the day and ascends and then discharges overnight and descents um it, it's it, it's absolutely yeah quite quite an incredible um, piece of work but it, again like a lot of my clients literally get that off the ground um safety risk management quality etc has got to be top notch to convince the regulator that it's safe to put in the air so we we've been working with them for for a number of years which is fascinating so i've got that some you know size of a 747 that's so that's a big drone at the other end of the spectrum, I've got clients that are flying drones the size of your hand. You know, and I've got um, military and and uh, and, uh, and government clients who are flying very small um, drones. You know, in, in into into confined spaces. Um, so there's, I've got other clients. Um, one who I, I we, we uh, can't go public on just yet, but uh, flying people um, in a in a in a sort of pilotless way. Um, we've got clients who are flying packages. Um, And as soon as we get into that market, that domain, um, the CAA wants to know that, you know, you're not presenting any greater hazard than the the manned aviation. And that's where Century can really come in and help and say, hey, listen, guys, um, fantastic concept of delivering your package or your person or whoever it is, your pizza. Um, But it's the regulator that decides whether you get off the ground or not. And that's where we can help. (laughs)
0: and so within that these businesses have the problems and are they approaching you with new businesses or is it generally existing businesses who are trying to improve their processes
1: yeah real uh, a a combination of 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 all three so i've got um startups who all want to get to a very high standard very quickly we can virtually be off the shelf and up and running with them quickly so they can very quickly start operating to a to a high standard I've then got large operations, perhaps have been operating for a number of years, but they've now got a large number of pilots, large number of drones over over a a large area. I'll give you an example, Devon and Cornwall Police. So um, they've been with us now for a number of years uh, and the police is a really important market to us. But when we we first started talking to them, they had um, over 30 drones, 50, 60 pilots spread over the largest force area in the UK. So you imagine managing that on a spreadsheet. Um, all the maintenance, all the training, all the currency, all the hours flown. I mean, um, the guys down there were having an absolute nightmare. Um, so, so you know, I've also got those that are struggling basically with scale. And then in the centre, I've got this this research and development area. So I've got, as I said, clients who are flying packages, pizzas, and people. I should, uh, should be, uh, I must remember that. Um, <laughs> uh, but um, so they've got a fantastic concept. They've got amazing technology. They've got the capital, but it's the regulator that they've got to convince um and that that's that's where we come in and help them have that conversation help them evidence um to the regulator that they are they are safe to operate
0: that's amazing and i you talked to them about the police because there's a lot of public information out there which is quite interesting about how a few years ago maybe it was 5 or 6 years ago the the police forces it, it centrally they became looking after all the helicopters and each force then they merged the helicopters but also as a result also reduced the number of helicopters in the air and as a result, they have this huge now focus on how can we carry on surveilling, and drones has become even more and more important. And and is this where you get involved in trying to help them create all these pilots? Because it's interesting to understand is how how they can solve the issue, or even better now, with drones than they could with helicopters previously.
1: Yeah. We're in a really unique position with um, police aviation in that the National Police Air Service, as you said, that federated approach to police aviation, um, they've been a client of, of Centric's for, for many years. We know them very well. Um, so they use Centric nationally, uh, manage all their aircraft and all their pilots. So both fixed ring and, and rotary wing. Um, alongside that, uh, we've got a lot of um, police forces, obviously, who are flying small UAS um so these are um, actually largely sort of consumer-type drone systems. So, so small endurance, often only flying in, in, in sort of fairly benign conditions. But being the police, they, they, they are both a user of drones and an enforcer of, of, of drone law. So they've got to be um, top-notch. You know, they, they've, they've got to be setting the standard. Um, and so, again, so we work with them to say, OK, uh, we're going to take your, your drone operation, uh, obviously convert what you're doing right now, but also hopefully help you improve it as, as, as well. So we're lucky that we've sort of got our feet in both camps. We're, we're, we're quite close to the National Police Chiefs Council and they're thinking of future strategy of drone, or no, future strategy of police aviation. Um, and actually, we're able to draw a little bit on, our, on on our military experience because when I was in the military, if you were on the ground and you wanted surveillance, to be frank, I didn't really care what it was that gave it to me I just wanted surveillance over this area for a particular period of time. Now, whether that was a drone, a satellite, uh, uh, a fixed-wing aircraft, or or a rotary aircraft, I didn't really care. I just wanted a picture or a video feed. And it's interesting to watch um, government and and the Home Office and the police now going in that direction in saying, okay, the requirement is for this operation two hours of persistent, you know, overhead video. That could be a fixed-wing aircraft. That could be a, uh, a a helicopter. Or in the future, I, it will end up, you know, it could end up being a large fixed wing drone. And trials were done last year um, in, in Wales with the Mounted Coast Guard Agency and the police um, on just that construct of persistent um, overhead uh, uh, surveillance for, for, for operation or from the MCA's perspective, search and rescue, pers- you know, a, a, a sort of use case. So fascinating. Police UAS is fascinating we we're, we're delighted to be really engaged with it on both the manned and the unmanned piece and uh, to to ultimately have a police aviation capability whose services that requirement you know will 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 be decided at the time but we can help them operate to the same level uh, and i guess that's where we can bring a degree of synergy uh, across the whole piece
0: yeah, so that's that's one thing that I found interesting. There was you saying that actually all you want is the visual, and a policeman on the ground, all he wants is visual. He doesn't care how he gets it. And and actually, when you look at the numbers of flying a helicopter up in the air, you're looking at about three thousand pounds an hour, versus just putting a drone up. <laughs> it's going to be significantly cheaper, and that's where it becomes interesting. Is we're now hopefully getting to the technology point of view where it's the same video quality it's the same if, if not better you can get the drone up quicker you, you can get into areas you can't get helicopters in
1: but interesting i, I don't um you, you're absolutely right but I, I don't see it as an either or i i see it as a, as a you know as a as a as, as a set of options you know if, if let, let's let's be brutally honest if i want you know several hours worth um in horrific weather at night your drone is going to struggle and you probably want to look at a fixed wing uh, a fixed wing manned aircraft um, if it's only short, sharp 20 minutes around the back of a building, because I think somebody's just popped in there. Um, you know, why are you going to task a helicopter to fly all the way from, you know, perhaps two counties away to go and do that by the time they get there? It's all gone. So if I've got a drone in the back of my arm response vehicle, I can quickly throw it up and look in, look in a window because I think a bad guy's just gone in there you know, job done. So I think it's it's um, situation dependent. Uh, I think the unmanned and the manned piece gives options. Uh, and the more options you have, the better to, to, to choose the most appropriate capability to service the requirement. What we can do is say from a safety to the public perspective, you know, which I guess is what it's all about. And then also a bit of a, re, a sort of reputational sort of protection for the police is you can do it all, The same level as as manned aviation, the same level of professionalism and oversight, thereby we're not putting the public at any more risk than if we had a drone over the top or if we had a a fixed wing aircraft over the top. Yeah,
0: that's very true. That's very true. I know Centric isn't just for unmanned aircraft, it's also it started off in aviation and maritime and actually dealing with airlines but also airports maybe we can talk a bit more about that side of your your actual aviation or airline side
1: yeah for sure so on on that um, and that, that's where we we started really was in with small operators um and the founders of the company came from actually from large and small operators they recognized the problem and actually we originally built the software for ourselves um we also outsourced safety and quality managers into airlines and airports and uh, traditionally, you'd have one guy who was a safety manager of, you know, ABC Airways. What our vision was, in fact, tra- I'm not taking any credit for this. What my boss's vision was, was to say, listen, I want this one guy to be the safety manager in three different airlines, which which was unheard of in the industry. And the only way you can do that is with some really clever software um, to enable this remote oversight. Um, so we hold, I think, 28 posts right now in various uh, post holders in, in different airlines and airports around the world. Um, all based here in the UK. Um, but we can do that remotely through through centric. So we originally built it for ourselves to enable us to scale up that part of the business. Our clients saw the system and say, hey, that's great, you know, can we have it? <laughs> um and that's really how the journey started, whatever that was eight or nine years ago. Um, we then obviously took it to market um and it's been really successful in um in, in those uh, you know sort of uh, airline airport regulator um sort of markets
0: and so are you typically then dealing with just large clients or what's the scale of clients a
1: real mix yeah a, a real mix and it, and it comes back to my earlier comments about flexibility we have to have the flexibility of dealing with a, a, a small um perhaps uh, operator that's just got four staff or a large operator like lux aviation that's got thousands and thousands of staff all around the world um, and so that's that's probably been our transition over the last couple of years as we've moved to a product that's much easier to scale. So we started with small operators and small airlines and small airports. Uh, we are now and really over the last sort of two to three years really transitioning into bigger airlines, bigger operators, bigger airports, because Centric is now much easier to scale. Um, but that, you know, we, we get such a fantastic range of, uh, of, of interest in the product um, all around the world. Hey. Uh, The the, the big boom right now is cargo, you know, because obviously the the passenger jets are not flying, they're not taking the cargo. So we're getting a lot of requests um, for uh, uh, for, for new cargo operators that want to set up uh, and we'll help them. Um, go through that
0: whole process. Uh, this this is where I find it really interesting because previously in the old world, before software, you would have had to, well, first of all, find someone to be your quality manager and then obviously pay them a big enough wage and then spend years or months developing a program for your specific aircraft. Whereas now they can approach Centric and you have the experience and, and you can go in and do it all for them.
1: Yeah, we, we've got some amazing people uh, and it never ceases to amaze me the sort of people we get into the company on who they've worked for and the positions they've held within within the aviation sector, um, and so we've got a huge experience level within the company that we can leverage for our clients. And you know, if I don't know the answer on a, on an aviation topic, I can I know I can find it you know within the business uh, and ring one of my colleagues and say, hey. You know, I've come across this. Have you ever, ever ever seen it before?
0: I recently saw that you did some work with British Antarctica Survey.
1: Yeah, and that was a fascinating, uh, uh, or is a fascinating to client and a prestigious client for us for us to work with. And I, and I remember the conversation I had with Rod, who's their safety manager, um, because actually I I, I approached them. To find out how they were running their, their 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 operational management and safety management and what have you, and uh, and, and at that stage it was um, on what I would say manual manual processes and systems. But his first question to me was, "Okay, David, it's great having this software, uh, but will it work in the Antarctic?" Yeah. I said, "I don't know. <laughs> I really don't know. We've we've never tried that before." And naturally, he said, "Well, listen. Before we take your system, we, we need to prove that." So we set up a basically a sandbox test site for him, and uh, for for the for the British Antarctic Service. So there you go they're Centric, uh, go have a play. Um, So they went down to Rothera and and, and down to their Antarctic bases um, and and used the system and used the system communicating back with their base here in Cambridge as as, as well as deployed locations um, and came back and said, yeah, absolutely, it it works. We could could use it in Antarctica. So um, we finished their onboarding a a few months ago just before Christmas Um, and now they're using using Centric uh, great guns and there's more stuff we're, we're doing with them as well. So that's uh, so a really fascinating. obviously that's you know, probably one of the most southerly uh, AOCs, if you like, or operators in 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 the world um flying down there. we can now say that uh, that Centric can be used in the Antarctic. I'm not sure there's a huge amount of competition down there, but, uh, <laughs> but still it's it's an interesting use case and and they are a super bunch to work with.
0: yeah, no, that's 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 amazing. And I think that's what I find interesting is as you get more and more of these capabilities, you only get stronger as a business and, and continue to success. I, I can imagine also your. Your relationships then with the regulators become so much easier. For example, I'm sure you've got tons of clients in the UK, and now your relationship, whenever a new client turns up and they're using Centric, the CAA would immediately be like, "Well, we know we've done we've dealt with you guys before, and we understand yeah. how it works." Hey, look, we,
1: we've got a we've got a great relationship with the CAA. Um, you know, to be brutally honest, they helped us develop the system. You know, if we turn the uh, the, the clock back to our to our early days, we, you know, naturally we went to the regulator because. We're, we're solving problems for our clients quite rightly so our airlines our drone operators we're solving we're solving problems for them but we also thought actually we should be solving problems for the regulator as well so we went to the regulator and said listen what what are your headaches and and how can we help you through our software as as, as well in perhaps in the way we present you, a, in, information um to you to make approvals easier or, or or whatever it was and they were fantastic in the early years and helping us shape the system so we're, we are the only system, um, to my knowledge, um, approved by the CAA for direct mandatory occurrence reporting for for, for, for UAS operators. So as opposed to going through the eks portal, et cetera, et cetera, and, and all the uh, the challenges that that presents, uh, we work with the CAA to say, OK, uh, we're going to build software um, so we can go direct to you. And also, when it arrives on your desk, what is the easiest way for you to, you know, sort of suck it in, have a look at it, read it and approve it? And they said, oh, we need it. in then a particular format so we said that's fine so, so we went and built it um and so as opposed to what they have to do with normal reports is cut and paste from the ca system into the ecas portal centric it comes out in a, in, a, in a particular format they say okay that's great and just and, and it goes straight in so you know we we work uh, and we've got a great relationship with the safety cell um down at um down at gatwick and <clears throat> the caa they're, they're a great bunch um and um and we work with them we you know that We'd like to solve um, their problems as, as, as well as ours. And, and our regulator system, you know, helps uh, them get approvals, uh, approve new AOCs and, and what have you. So we've got a whole range of functionality for regulators. I think by having, you know, we've just got lots of perspectives on the aviation industry and aviation markets. And, and that's probably the, uh, the, the, the sum total of, of the company. And it is called Total AOC Solutions. Centric is our product. Total AOC Solutions is is the company. Uh, and I think that's a really good good, you know, a, a, a good a good title for us because um we've got experience in that regulatory AOC, ATO, MRO, UAS um market. Um so so yeah, we, we can bring a, a a fair amount of experience to bear. and and it and it's you know, it's great fun.
0: Yeah and so going forward what's in what's in the pipeline or what's uh, what, what's your kind of key focus on for the next year or two
1: yeah and, and this is um uh, although i head up uas i also head up banking defense and, uh, and and maritime um so so those are the other sort of three diversification pieces i've done over the over, over the last few years and to be frank aviation is 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 a long way forward a long way ahead of those of those other sectors so um, we're doing a lot of work right now on, on, on risk controls um, uh, and audit and, and tying the two together, predictive and reactive risk analysis. We're, we're never short of ideas. That, that, yeah. that, that's for sure. There's always a healthy tension between us as the operators um, and, our, and our hardworking development team downstairs <laughs> as, as we ever shift our priorities. Um, but, but that's great. And actually, what I find is aviation are, are constantly pushing the boundaries and constantly asking for more. Um, but that, that, that's just fantastic. It just keeps us on our toes. And it also enables me, for example, I can then talk to my maritime clients. So, you know, uh, this morning I was talking to one of my marina operators. They, they operate a huge marina, 400 berths, super yacht marina. I'm able to say to the marina manager there, I tell you what, in aviation, what they're currently doing is X, Y, and Z, which is a really neat way of looking at this. They said, well, yeah, let's, let's let's have a go at that. So we can sort of bring from aviation into those other sectors lessons. Um, and I'm not saying we just want to you know we're not going to template and say, hey, just aviation's great, take this, but we can just have that conversation and say um, yeah you know, in aviation right now they're looking at risk from this perspective, which seems pretty neat. What do you think? And, and uh, so so that's yeah that that's uh, really uh, re- really interesting that the crossover I guess between markets as well.
0: Yeah, are you focused on a particular market? in uh, the as in uk or are you you global now yeah
1: no we, we are very much a global business um and it's really the the, the primary reason we went 24 7 on our customer support um last year because we've now got clients you know in in you know from a- asia middle east um africa um states canada um as well as obviously europe so we have clients all over the world we, uh, and we've got to respond to that we've got to respond to the changing regulatory environment um both in manned and unmanned aviation um but yeah, we went twenty four seven um on customer support um uh, last year, which is really exciting. Um and, uh, and and the customers really love that. Um and um, and they are real people sitting here in in uh, at Biggin Hill Airport. Well, actually, let's be honest, they're working from home right now. <laughs> um, but until recently, yeah. um at Biggin Hill Airport in Kent, which is where we're based, which keeps us in touch with aviation, it's right on our doorstep. Um and people pick up the phone to support and they speak to one of the team and and uh, uh, they're great. And uh, they 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 all going help our clients with any of their their, uh, their
0: challenges they have. That's brilliant. So if anyone's listening from anywhere in the world, how can they get in touch with Centric? Yeah, absolutely. Um getcentric.net is is the easiest tap it into the URL and, and you'll
1: see that see the see the, uh, see the website um and, uh, and and just come in and and, and throw us in a, a a request. Um you'll get a very quick response. We 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 race each other. So uh, us in sales is really it's really hilarious when a new New opportunity comes in the door. There's always there's always a race to see who can be there first. So we pride ourselves on a on a, um,
0: on a on a on a quick response. Well, well, hopefully you get some exotic location calling in after this, and that would be. Well, we,
1: you know, we, we I missed out last year on the Maldives. Can you believe that? But
0: uh, but there we go. There's there, there's still there's still plenty exotic still locations out discussed. there for us. <laughs> Brilliant. David, thank you very much. This has been amazing. Well, my pleasure. Uh, I've really enjoyed about learning more about Centric. And I know certainly from my side, if, if if anyone was ever approaching me from an airline perspective, I'm, I'm completely sold. Thank you. It's, it just seems that the modern way of or the, the new way of doing it and I don't understand why you wouldn't. So thank you very much. My pleasure. Nice to speak to you, Nick. You too. Thank you for listening to another Niche Aviation podcast. A special thank you this week goes out to Ben Haming. I've really appreciated your feedback and glad you're enjoying the latest series. Next week, I'm speaking to Charles Tapner at Flylogix. Flylogix is a leader in unmanned aviation. Their aircraft are used in the oil and gas industry and can fly unmanned for nearly 500 kilometers. They've also recently begun flying cargo to remote islands in the UK. Until then, have a great week.